Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from Talksport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their Best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they go for players they've seen in the flesh, or will they rely on reputation? Let's find out. Our guest this week is a man who's right at the top of his game. A best-selling book, he's the voice of Spitting Image, and he's also a huge England and Forest fan. Gives me great pleasure to introduce the wonderful Matthew Ford, and I'm going to start by asking you, Matthew, who's your team and why do you support them? My team, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Hello, both of you. Hello, um, hello, hello Webbo. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, my team is Nottingham Forest, and I support them. I was uh, born and raised in Nottingham, and my fa- I was in a family of Nottingham Forest supporters, my uncle... Um, my granddad and his brother were staunch Forest fans, season ticket holders, and uh, yeah, it was it was just in the blood. It was it wasn't a choice. It was um, I'm very lucky that it was um, given to me. Really. Now the next question is um, earliest memories of football. But I, I, before I lead into this, I mean, I just want to just to talk a little bit about. I mean, Forty years, not just a Nottingham Forest fan. He's a Nottingham Forest fanatic, yes. um, and uh, he's a Snenton boy, which is a very very working class area of Nottingham where he was born and bred, uh, and it's a big forest red area. Uh, and there's even photographic evidence of Fordy's claim to be a Nottingham Forest fan since a boy because in the club they have programmes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The archive. Fordy's in there <laughs> as ball boy, as all sorts. Is he mean, just like yeah. he's, 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 he's like a vein of gold running through a rock in Nottingham Forest he's, he's history. Like, yeah. He's like Zelly. Yeah, there's, there's, there's photographic evidence of all this. So, like a vein on the swollen leg <laughs> of Nottingham Forest. It's like, it's like if you turn three pages of a programme, don't worry, Fordy's on yes, the next one. Yeah. 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 What? I always That's so true. It's true. Because I love there as a mascot. Yes. And and I remember you finding that a few years ago. I did. But when I used to sit in the junior reds bit in the main stand, they used to do the half time draw picture in front of our seats. So I would always be in always. the background waving. <laughs> Since a few years there's just this sort of fat lad with rashes on his face. <laughs> Because if it's more contemporary, they pixelated your face out, wouldn't they? Because of the the joys of social media, um, me and Forty have a laugh about this because obviously he gets fans as as in the modern world is saying things to him and, and my favourite one always is when somebody goes oh you're only just you're a glory supporter when did you ever support Nottingham Forest and I keep going there's photographs of him as a fetus practically in the yes. city grounds what more do you want yeah. do you know what I mean brilliant you know, one of my favourite one of my favourite one of those and obviously people just they're taking a punt they're just guessing yeah. right? they don't know um, but one of my favourite ones there was a guy who said uh you're not a real fan. You're a lout. I once saw you in a pub in Nottingham abusing bar staff during a Forest game. I said, "All right, what game was it?" He said, "The 1991 FA Cup final." Because <laughs> I was seven. <laughs> did, did you have to stand on the chair to shout at the bar staff then, or what? You must. I was in a pub in Clifton. I think he'd remembered this for like 29 years. It's all I'm picturing now. Stood on a chair. Berating some poor bar staff, seven years old, big round face. That's all I berating. I always love, I always love a, a thread killer on on a, on a, on the social media. I love that, and I can remember once uh, somebody saying something blah blah blah. And when I did the Wales film, somebody somebody put Johnny Owen is the biggest band one jumper there is. When did he ever support Wales? And my mate put a photograph up of me in Cologne in 1989, and he just killed the thread. Yeah. This lad Amazing. was like, oh, I didn't realise that. Do you remember? That, 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 that this is the it. problem. They take a punt. They take a punt and they say something, hoping everybody will go, yeah. And actually, when you go back on, oh, I was there, actually. I was, in, oh, okay, I never realised that. People are used to seeing you at games all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's I, so funny, all that conspiracy. Anyway, your earliest yeah. memories of football. Yeah, I was, I was loath to ask this question because, of course, they're all documented, aren't they? Yes, so yes. We, could just read, we could just read them in the programmes. <laughs> but mean, anyway... I, 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 I have vague memories of football being on the telly, but the first thing that really got me into it, I, I remember Italian 90 was the first thing when it Ooh, really oh. sexy football. brought it home that, that, that it mattered. So I'd have been, um, yeah, seven or eight that summer. And uh, I, I was, I knew I was kind of a Forest fan, but I, I didn't have the huge appetite to go to games yet. I think I was eight. And um, uh, I vaguely remember Forest the summer before winning the Littlewoods Cup and the Simod Cup and being at Wembley and Clough and Pierce. And I loved Pierce. I remember before Italian 90 thinking I really liked Stuart Pierce. And then that tournament really made me love Gaza and Lineker and, and, and really made me love Pierce, obviously after the penalty miss and everything. So really it was it was all germinating. But I think at that age, I think seven or eight is the ideal age to be getting into football. Um, that's when you really, when it has to be a free choice. And I was very lucky that my mum wasn't pushing me to go to games. Sometimes you see people dragging three, four, five-year-olds along to games. You think they haven't got the attention span yet. They haven't been turned on to it yet. They haven't got that hunger to go. So Italian 90 turned that on for me. And from then on, I was just desperate to go to a football match. What you... was your first Forest one then? Do you remember it? Yeah, Forest Sunderland, 1991 or 1990, I think. It would have been 1990. Um, so it was in November. It was Forest Sunderland. We won 2-0. I stood on the old cop, which is now the Bridgeford end, um, with my great uncle Joe and was petrified. Before I was really excited to go. But after Hillsborough was so worried, yeah. because as a kid, obviously all you'd seen of terraces on the telly was mm. was this awful catastrophe. There's just this unimaginable human tragedy. So as a kid, I kind of was wary of standing. I, I wanted to sit really, and it was only then when you get there, particularly the the, the Bridgeford and the Coppet Forest, then there was plenty of space around, so it wasn't too bad where we were. And you thought, oh. but I was. I remember being really worried after Hillsborough about standing at a football match because I'd never been before. It's it did. It, 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 yeah. did. it was a pall on football for a while there. You know that's that. You know, don't anyone let, forget that. Well, you just said to look at the uh, the average attendances at that time. I mean, they were, they were down. You know, and especially sort of in the mid eighties when it was the height of all the problems that were happening with football. It was right. you know I think Forest's attendance average was eighteen thousand or something like that. And this is when they were like top end of the first division. So all football crowds were down. But it's very interesting, like you said. I, I remember the first really big match I went to was a home international between Wales and England, packed in Indian Park, and England had ten thousand yeah. there, and. and like, a bit like you said, it's really interesting when you're a kid. I spent the whole game, and my, I can remember about an hour in, my father saying to me, are you going to watch the game or keep watching the crowd? Because you just can't help but watch the crowd, can you, when you're that age, the oh, swaying man. and the singing and the arms going up. And like, I was just absolutely mesmerised, not just by the Wales fans, but the England fans, you know, all Union Jacks and singing. And I just, it was, it was, it was a sensory overload, is the only way I can describe it. You've never seen anything like it. No. It's like one of those huge frescoes of a battlefield. Yes. Yeah. You just I remember it like there were horses charging around and like blood <laughs> and spears and yeah. stuff, flags and you're like, what is I remember most of it and it was exactly the same. My great uncle Joe saying, Oh, the, you're gonna watch I was just gawping at the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And you've never seen that many people all in one place before. No. You're there. I mean, even if it was 18,000, as a seven-year-old, 18,000 people in one place is incredible. And on top of that, you've, you're seeing your heroes. You're seeing Clough, Pierce, people like that, national stars, right in front of your eyes. You've got a perspective on a game you've never seen before. You're up close. You can smell it. Smell it the was, smells. Oh, the smell of the pitch and the smell of the urine and the hot dogs. <laughs> it's just, not necessarily pleasant smells, all, all, but definitely all punchy. mixed in. I, I can remember as well. I can over, I can remember going to this game and overhearing my mother saying to my father and my grandfather were taking take me. Obviously, the them saying if he gets a bit nervous because this is the height of the hooligan thing and all that. If he gets a bit nervous, uh, we could take him out half time. I can I can remember that conversation going on and being aware of it, you know. Yeah. And then I can remember, like, obviously I did the whole game, naturally. And I'm leaving the game, and one is holding my one hand and the other is holding my other hand. And he turns to me, I'll never forget it, and he goes, with a wink, I mean, this is in my mind's eye, I must have romanticised it, but we do, and he went, enjoy that, son? And I can remember literally thinking, enjoy it? I nearly pissed myself with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this was, the most, this was the greatest thing I've ever been to in my life, do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and, and, and I agree with, Mark, I've got to ask you, with a, your mother was instrumental in you going to your first game, I, wasn't I, she? My mum took me and my brother to our first game because wow. my old man was Arsenal fan. And, my, and uh, he didn't. He did, it's interesting the way that you've you've talked about it here. 
my dad was Arsenal and didn't and didn't want the 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 shackle of kids around his ankles. Tough to take to the pub and that. Isn't so it? he didn't he didn't want to take us to football. So my mum took us to West Ham, which was her local football club. Brilliant. And I got exactly the same. I watched my first game by watching an old man with a trumpet. <laughs> who was stood about sort of like six bodies down from us. And that's pretty much my entire memory of an old man who kept blowing this bloody bugle all the way through it. And I think, and I always seem to remember it was, uh, there was no grass on the pitch. It was that time of year. And I think yeah. it was a nil-nil. And I think we missed a penalty. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to West Ham. But there's an old man it? with a bugle. So yeah, yeah. Well, Wales, Wales lost that game. It was a great introduction to me. I, I was so excited when Wales lost the match. Now, Matt, I've got to ask you this next question. You're going to be brilliant answering this because it tees you up beautifully and I just want you to tell us about him and why you loved him so much because he's got this great story you told me about how he's introduced himself to, a, to the Nottingham Forest crowd and he's been on as a guest and I talked to him about this because of you. But tell us about your favourite player as a kid and what he did to make him your favourite player. Oh, Stuart Pearce by a mile. <laughs> and I think anyone who was... Forest, I think most people of my generation are Forest fans. They would pick Psycho. And it was... The first thing was the way he played the game. He was hard as nails. He scored lots of goals and he was he was a leader in every regard. So you, people talk about Tony Adams and people like that and they are great leaders. But there was something special about Pierce, and I think what he understood was the element of theatre. And even though when you interview him, he's kind of bashful and, and unassuming and, and I get the sense he doesn't like to talk about football that much. He had a really shrewd understanding of mass psychology it's and true. just the, the little touches. He never used to warm up on the pitch before the game. He was basically a front man and he wanted the first time the crowd saw him to be just before kickoff when he leads that team out. So you would never get a glimpse of him beforehand. And that, you know, that is like anything. If you control the supply of something, it increases the value of it. You know, he understood almost the market of, of excitement. So he would emerge from the, from the tunnel, burst out, belt a ball towards the Trent end, charge towards them, arms outstretched, just screaming. I don't know what he was screaming. <laughs> I think it was just, come on! And this was like this just battle cry before every game. It didn't matter what game it was. It could be like a, an FA Cup third round game against a non-league team. It could be an FA Cup semi-final to be a league game. It didn't matter what it was. We could have been finishing ninth that season. It'd be the last game of the season. It didn't matter. He would just come out like a horse. And it was just the, the atmosphere that it gave that stadium. And I'll never forget the season after he left, in fact, the atmosphere has never recovered at Forest since Pierce went. And there are certain stage posts on that way. Obviously, the departure of Clough, Forest being out of the Premier League, all those things. But the single biggest thing that affected the atmosphere at Forest was Pierce. And he was like a conductor and he was like a front man because he could growl at the crowd and he would G up that stadium. Yeah. And he would just, there are times where he'd just go, can! And obviously, some players do that and it doesn't work. And that's what's special about him. He knew when to do it. And he had a direct emotional connection with that stadium and with those people. And obviously in Euro 96, with the country, and he had something. He understood the psychology of football fans. That was That's it. That I was going to say, if you're not a Forest fan, you only need that England game as a window into Stuart Pearce, don't you? That was that was him writ large, and also, wasn't it? Also, something really interesting you should say there, Matt, and I, and I agree with you on so, on so much of what you say. The theatre they've taken away from the game is the walkout. When they used to run mm. out, the bursting out of a team, oh. and and they also do that thing where they pretend to head the ball and all that. Mm. But you know, but it, but it was the energy of that enthused oh. the crowd. God, they're athletes. Yes, aren't they? yeah. that's what's what meant is to this? happen. Where did it start? They would walk out, you know, the limp walk, and then the little handshake, oh. and, and then the queuing up, and the queue yeah. who who decided that? Where did they take away the theatre of, of a team running out? Rugby still does it. The Welsh rugby team, fair play to them, still runs onto the pitch as does yes. England, and it looks amazing. The it's, fireworks it's the goes most off. Exciting thing in, in the NFL, yeah, exactly. Is the teams running onto the, the teams, field of play? Yeah. Where they? did that happen in football? They took it off. And is, is it is it law now? Are you not allowed to run? out yeah i don't know but oh, it looks it's, it's positively funereal now isn't it yeah, they, look like they're, they look like they're saying goodbye to their dearly beloved yes you expect them to like take their caps off so the, re their wreath. The, the captain should be carrying a wreath at the front or something like that isn't it? some of the games i've seen forest play this season <laughs> <laughs> they should have laid a wreath yeah. a minute silence for all the all the attempts on goal that died they've really got to stop having those minute silences during the game haven't they That's, it's, i'm sure it's affecting forest performances um Matt, can I? It's like the flip side of the same coin question here. Can you tell us about your match day rituals back then when you were a kid, and what are they nowadays? As a, obviously, as a media superstar, it's going <laughs> to have changed a bit, isn't it? I um, back then I wanted to get to the ground as early as possible, so I would get to Forest sort of midday, half twelve, and I just loved being there. 
I just loved being in the stadium. For me, it was the most sacred place. It was so special. I just loved everything about it. I loved being there when it was empty. I loved there being when it was full. There was a magic about the, the about the concrete and about the plastic and the grass and everything. So I'd get there early. I had my autograph book. And because I, um, for most of the time that I went to Forest, certainly as a kid, I had a season ticket for most of that time in the main stand, which is where the players' car park is. So I just used to take an autograph book down there. I used to take a football down there. I mean, I've got a football at my mum's house signed by Viali, Di Matteo, Hullet, and then like Savo Milosevic, Stuart Pearce, Nigel Clough, Andy Townsend, Gareth Southgate. It's got a weird mix of like mid-90s footballers. But every visiting team, I get like John Barnes, David Seaman, Steve McManaman, Ian Wright. I've got all these amazing, like Kevin Keegan, Alan Shearer, Alex Ferguson. Ferguson, I had a season ticket behind the away dugout uh, for years as a kid. And I, the first home game of the 94-95 season uh, when we'd just been promoted, it was against Man United at home and Sky were there. It was really exciting. It was a brilliant one-all draw. And Ferguson came out late and I kind of tracked my run. So he comes out the tunnel to my right, <laughs> he's walking in front of me. I lean over the wall and uh, the steward holds me back. And Ferguson goes, oh, no, no, if the lad wants me autograph, let him have it. Takes my autograph book, passes it around the dugout. So I get Brian Kidd. No. I think Gary Neville was there as like Superb. a young player at the time. Hands it round, he hands it back to me, said, uh, I'd wish you all the best, but you're a Forest fan. Enjoy the game anyway. I was like, oh my God. Wow. That is brilliant. Isn't That's that over. incredible? What an amazing thing to do for a kid of an opposing team. Um, so I've got loads of them. Keegan, Ferguson, you know, all these wonderful. So that was a big part of my pre-match rituals. I wanted to go to the game, but I wanted to get these autographs beforehand. Did he, did you, did so you do that cool. thing? I've seen a, a little video of it uh, back in the 80s. Did you do that thing of shouting up their first name? So Shearer comes to you, Alan, 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 Alan. Oh, yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, Shearer was the best. So a lot of the team, Man United actually were really bad. They'd get off the coach and they'd just go straight for the, the back of the main stand. They wouldn't sign any autographs. Of course they did. <laughs> and at the end of that season, remember the season when Forrest, basically hand the title to Newcastle, the yeah. whole Keegan thing. Yeah. And uh, we lose away at Old Trafford, we get spanked, and then we draw one all with Newcastle at home, and that basically ends their title chances. But when Beardsley scores for Newcastle, the city ground erupts. We all wanted Newcastle to win. So the park, the car park was rammed. People cheering the Newcastle players off the coach just because we hated Man United so much. <laughs> Some of those players, I remember one year Shearer came, I can't remember that year or another year, might be the year after. Shearer was stood signing autographs in the car park for at least an hour. Wow. Before kickoff for Forest fans. I remember a guy having to come out the back of the stand going, oh, Alan, mate, the gaffer wants a word no, mate. <laughs> He's leaving answer phone messages for people's mums, signing photos. I've never, of all the visiting players in all the years I went to Forest, the only one that made like a Herculean effort with the away fans was Alan Shearer. Shout out to Alan Shearer. Good man. Yes. Good and of man. course, the, the tragedy of this story that, that Matt's just told us, there's, there's also his match day rituals now. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to be part of this. This he, is the problem with this. He, bowl, he bowls up every week in his, in his, in his trademark suit and his autograph book, <laughs> screaming players' first names, don't you? I mean, I must have looked like... I used to have a farm foods carrier bag that I put my ball in. Uh, like, I used to get Stuart Pierce's autograph every game and I remember once waiting for him in the car park, he got out of his car and he just went, oh, you again. <laughs> But I was delighted. I was like, he knows who I am. He knows who I am. A little fat boy with a rash on his face and a far from his bag. <laughs> but now I've gone the other way. So before I was like, I want to get there early. I want to experience everything. Now I'm like, well, if I miss kickoff, I miss kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> in the pub at 11 in the morning. Yes, yes. I mean, the Derby game a couple of years ago was this oh. two-all thriller, end-to-end, like late goals in the first half, late goals in the second half, a streaker. Me and Johnny went... <laughs> Missed all four goals. Did. So got there late and missed the first goal. Went to the bar for half time, missed the second. Was late coming out the bar and missed the third. Left before the end. Of missed the fourth. The I, can I just point out as well? I wasn't working for Forest at this time. <laughs> I was, it was just me and Fordy. And we, what happened was the taxi was coming and, and we got in this ridiculous routine. It was very funny at the time we got to be there. But we the taxi was late and, and the taxi kept texting us to go, I'm stuck in traffic. It's going to be 20 minutes. So we'd go, yeah. we'll have a quick Jager bomb. Whatever we yeah, you want me to go. I'm gonna be 15 minutes, we have another year go. And of course, every five minutes we and we worked up, we had like seven, didn't we? And then of course we get to the ground. And the best thing is we get to the taxi and we wander around the ground for a bit, as like trying to find an exit or something, because the game started. And then the best my moment was by the side of the trend, and of course the, the sound that comes up the ground is amazing, and the trend comes in the atmosphere. It's one of the great football grounds Rolls in the world. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. It? Yeah. This sound came out, and, and I kind of 42 and he went. Is that a derby goal? Is that a forest goal? And I'm like, I don't know. But it sounded like a goal, I think. And we get in and we, we find out it's the goal. But I will say of this about Fordy, and I, I want to say this officially on him. He needs to get out. 
He's always asked in the boardroom every for every game. He can go wherever he wants. But bless him, he always goes, no, no, I'm going to watch the game. And he goes in amongst the fans in the Bridgeford End and he gets his own ticket. That's that's where you're happiest watching football, isn't it? Oh man, I just I want to be there bouncing around like in a in a throng of you know what I mean. I just want to be I want to be there behind the goal. Just I just love the atmosphere. It's atmosphere. It's it's the it's the match day experience that kept me going back to games. Yeah. And it is cool. You know, I think if if you ever get invited into the boardroom of the club you support, I think you have to do it at least once because it's an amazing experience and it is a really cool thing to do. But to watch a game of football, I love just being in the balmy bit i always want to be where the atmosphere is where it's the loudest where people are jumping up and down and singing and stuff you know that's that's what attracts me to football because particularly with clubs like forest is it's not the success the you know it's not you're not there necessarily you want your team to win obviously i'm desperate for it and i'm desperate for us to get back to the premier league and it kind of nags away at me that we're not there but if you're going and and your whole day is going to be reliant on whether you win or lose you're probably going to come away disappointed unless you support one of the top teams. So it's it's about the whole day. It's about being with mates. It's about uh, the atmosphere. And that's why I love going in places like the A Block and the Lower Bridgeford at yeah. Forest where it's, you know, a bit livelier because it's that's part of the fun of it. People starting silly chants and, you know, <laughs> it makes it more bearable. You're right. Yeah, the no, the experience right. is everything. I've got there. to say as well, I'm just going to put this... When you do go with the, with the, with the board, as they say, I forgot. Yeah. I didn't realize how dangerous it was. Basically, you sit in amongst the home fans, and okay. what happens is because we've grown up in our generation, you go well because I'm in amongst the the other fans. You don't really cheer your own goal, but when you're with people who are in the board, they tend to be sort of sometimes successful business people who don't know the finer nuances of football as we do. So, of course, Forrest will sometimes scores and then stand up and go, "Yes, good goal, Forrest!" And you're going, "Oh no!" And like, Lord, ten lads turn around and go. Are you going to shut up? But I'm like, sorry, they just they don't understand, you know, the, the polite clap. Do you know what I mean? So it's weird with the board. And sometimes I look across and I think to myself, I wish I was in amongst them lot where I could shout and stuff like that. Do you know That's what I mean? It. And comment, comment on the game. You can't do that when you're with the board. You're basically a visiting dignitary if you're in yeah. the boardroom and you're there in yeah. a suit and tie. And it's lovely and it's a great experience. And yeah. it's, you know, I've got, it's a really cool thing to do. But you do have to behave yourself. You do. <laughs> and, you you do. Know, especially when the, 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 the beer's flowing beforehand. So you, you go in there, you're pie-eyed, you're at a football match, you're used to behaving in a particular way and then you've kind of got to sit there like, you know, you're the queen watching some <laughs> you know, international dancers. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a different you experience. Keep your knees yeah. together and, and shut up. Yes. That's exactly Polite. how you... <laughs> Politely That's clap. how you watch your football. In the, you, you never say bit, never say no to a freebie, but you don't want to make it. It's worth it. Look, that's matter. It's worth experiencing once. No, Matthew, here's a great question for you because I know you've got lots of this and some fantastic stuff. But I need your favourite piece of memorabilia or memento. I think it would have to be my the photo I have with Brian Clough. Oh yeah, when I was a mascot that you signed, just because. I think he's uh, as an autograph collector, having a Brian Clough autograph is a really special thing. Having one that he wrote to me is a really cool thing. And it, it, the fact that it's a photo of the two of us together, not just a photo of him, I, I just think it has so much sentimental value to me. Um, that it's a photo of me and him the day that I was a mascot. It's one of his last games in charge. He's in his red, he's in his green jumper. I'm in a forest kit. It's in the forest changing room. There's so many things that make it special. And then the fact that he's written my name on it. And I, I just think that is... That probably is the most precious thing that I own. And I don't mean in monetary value, I would never ever sell it. But I just think that is... Brian Clough to me was more than a football manager. And I think if you grew up in Nottingham at the time, people would know he, he was kind of like the leader of the city. He went beyond, he transcended football. And obviously he did for a lot of people in the country. But I often think about this. And I think because I was raised by my mum, having a really strong male role model... And obviously my granddad was a big role model in my life, but I think Clough in a way was almost like a sort of dad to the city. And I, I think in a weird way, you kind of feel that connection with him as a Forest fan. So I always had a kind of, it went beyond football for me with Clough. And I, I just think, I do think of him like a family member. And I know other people will feel the same about Shankly and Busby and that uh, uh, other clubs. And, they, uh, and that is genuine. But for me, I think Clough, I, you know, I mourn him like a family member. I, 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 I just think we all felt so emotionally close to him. That for me is, you know, that feels almost like the Holy Grail. That is almost like, you know, I feel like if I touch it, it will give me special powers. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I've lived in Nottingham almost a decade now and he still bestrides that city like a colossus, doesn't he? Everybody talks about him. Everybody's got a Clough story of a certain generation. He's still an enormous figure. I mean, if the club puts anything out about Clough, it just gets the most 
interaction, retweets and love, and not just in Forest, amongst Forest, but across football. He does kind of shadow the city, even now, doesn't he? And it is an interesting thing, I think, when somebody that important happens to a city. Yes, and I, you know, I remember going to Market Square when he was given the freedom of the city, and they, they had to like close off all the roads in and out of Nottingham because just thousands of people. And this is when Forest were on the verge of relegation. Thousands of people just turned up just to see him get a kind of civic honour. <laughs> you know, it was remarkable. And when his statue was unveiled, thousands of people just to go and see a statue to this man. He, you know, he came to us. You know, he was, I think there's always something slightly special about people who aren't from a place who go there and make it special. And I think. That's partly what unites Clough and Pierce is they're not from Nottingham, but they came here mm. and they gave us something really special. They gave us the best years of their career. They stayed for a long time, both of them, mm. and gave us their best years. And I think there's a kind of gratefulness there that these, that, you know, they're almost, almost like divine beings that come and visit you. You know, it's remarkable. And, yeah. and they're just such special people. And Clough in particular, obviously, his personality and his character and the relationship he had with the city, with striking miners and with all that, and with his charitable work. He, uh, he he ran the place, really. He was in charge of Nottingham. He wasn't just in charge of Forest. Yeah, two massive figures, that's for sure. Now, Matt, got a favourite player now? Oh, Joe Lolly. Yeah, it's stylish, isn't he? Got oh, I mean, I have to give an honourable mention to Anthony Knockhart, who I think has been the, the, probably the most exciting signing we've made for a while and just a really good creative player. But Lolly, the last few years, has been absolutely superb. Uh, and you can see now, you know, teams really try and stop him because he's such a fantastic creative player. That for me, he's the most he's the most exciting player we've had at Forest. I do love Joe Worrell as well. I'm always partial to a defender, um, but Lolly, I think Lolly is a really special talent. They've stopped um, him. If you bring, if you let him come in onto his left foot, you're in trouble. He will pick you apart. Yeah, yeah, and and you're absolutely right. Teams now double up on him and they stop him doing that as much as they possibly can, don't they? And it's which is a, you know, an indication of how how good he was and how much of a threat he is to other teams. That you have to do that in, in other teams. I think you're absolutely. And Joe Worrell, you know, he's, he's back recently, and you know, Joe is a huge figure around the club. He's a Nottingham Forest fan. He's a Nottingham boy, and he understands what it means to City that football club. And somebody like that does make a difference in a dressing room. You know what as well, like Joe Worrell has that Stuart Pearce thing of like there is an there is an earthiness about Joe Worrell. There is a heart and soul. He is a very talented and cultured footballer, but there is something in the way that he carries himself. You can see that it means a lot to him to play for Forest. You can see it on his face. You can see it in the way that he walks. And I think fans pick up on that. And I think that mantle of the leadership that obviously he he he. He wants it, and it means the world to him, and he's really good at it. And I think there's there's a real magic about Joe Worrell and the future that he has at Forest. I think because he is, you know, people love to sing. He's one of our own, and he really is. Yeah, it means um, it means something. I mean, let's be fair. One of the most prolific academies in football, really, isn't it? It's been astonishing the players they've produced. My God, I mean, Matty Cash as well. And I was so I'm so pleased that he's play, playing in the Premier League. You know, I remember as a kid, anytime anyone left Forest, you immediately hated them. You know, the <laughs> Tudors, the traitors. Even you know, when Nigel Clough went, people were like, oh, my God. And obviously, in time, that then mellows, and you think, what was I thinking? But with I don't think there was any of that around Matty Oh, Cash. it was amazing. Was like, oh, man, like, he I left think everyone would love. have applauded him out of the ground. You know, I think people would have had a whip round for him. Well, it was interesting with Cash. I mean, he did so much work in the community, didn't he? He was always the player. I mean, I, I, we used to abuse it in the sense. He'd go, like, we need somebody out in, you know, Gedlin to speak to kids. Three o'clock in the afternoon on the Thursday, it's minus one. You'd ring Cash and he'd go, <laughs> OK, and he'd do it. And he was always voted the, the community player of the year and all that. So there's some people that you're really pleased that they're doing well. And I mean, he's flying for Villa, which is fantastic. I mean, and you do think to yourself, he's not a million miles away from, you know, England's starting to look. It's just a shame he's a fullback in England. We've got such he's great in the wrong, talent. He's absolutely yeah, in the wrong it's a shame they're in a golden era for fullbacks. But you do think he's not a million miles away if he keeps playing the way he is because he's got everything as a player as well. And, isn't I, he? and I think there are, you know, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, that if I look at it from the West Ham perspective, that Rice may end up being that same kind of figure. Is that there are players that can leave a club and they enter and it's basically done at the door, you're on the backside on the way out, mate. And then there's other ones where you say, you go with our with with our best wishes uh, because of what yeah. you did. Fordy's right. Kashi absolutely left like that. I've never seen a reaction like that where it was one hundred percent positive about him going because he he didn't want to go in the sense of he would have stayed at Forest. You know. Happily carried on. But yeah. obviously, you know, it, when Villa come in the Premier League, it was almost a bit like and you know he made the club a lot of money. So in yes. every way, you think to yourself the lad has to, to be nothing but a great servant for Nottingham Forest. Right. And and you know what, you can't help but have favourites when you're working behind the scenes with players. I can't speak more highly of Matty Cash and the way he was and the things oh, he would man. do. Do you know what I mean? He was just fantastic.
That's so good to know. Uh, he, I mean, you know, I met him a couple of times. He came on podcasts and things. He was just, he was a gentleman. He was just such like an uncynical man, you know, just yeah. had such a positive energy about him. And I think I was, I was absolutely delighted for him that he's going to to play in the Premier League. And but with England, this is the thing, you know, you think of your United Six and Pierce. He only plays in that tournament because Lasso was injured. That's, That's right. true. You, you, right. you yeah. never know. You, you and never he obviously know. went on to have that amazing moment. So you never know where fate's going to take him. I just got a quick Maddie, Cash is still developing. Maddie Cash story, you two will level sums him up. There was a rumour AC Milan were in for him. If you remember this. Yes, yes. So he's coming out with the training ground. And, and obviously, we, Cash is great. And me and, me and Ben White, who's the, the media officer, standing there. And um, and we go to him, we're going to need you, as always. We're going to need you for an interview for some, you know, food bank on third. Okay. And he says, and he, to which he says, oh, yeah, you might might not be able to get me anymore, lads, because I'm off to Milan. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so we laugh and off he goes. 20 minutes later, in between, and he comes over and he goes, you know, I was only joking about that. And I would, I, I'm not really going to Milan and I will do the food I bank. can't do it. <laughs> I'm not oh, being big upset them now. I yeah, know, yeah. and I was a bit like, oh, we've got to give him a hug. Oh, cash, you know, this is pre-COVID. We don't you know we don't need joking, Sam. Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't worry about it. But he'd obviously gone away and thought, oh, I was only joking about it. I don't want to think, you know, that I'm getting too big for my boots. That sums Matty Cash up for me. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful, oh, beautiful. Oh, I love life. that story. Yeah, I know. This is the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Best Eleven podcast with Johnny Owen and Mark Webster. So, so this is another great one for Forty. Forty's perfect for this show, isn't he? Your favourite ever kit. This is a man who loves his forest kits. Oh, I mean, this, this. I mean, the England Italia '91 is special. Yes, that is really cool. I think for me, the forest one is the 1990-1991, the one that we wore in the FA Cup final because I love a shirt with a collar. I, I'm really. Str- I, I don't think any of my favourite kits would be a collarless one. I love a collar on a football shirt, and I love that button-up top one. So it's kind of got a kind of polo shirt feel, top button done up, lovely white trim on the sleeve, and it's just a simple red kit. There's a bit of a kind of watermark effect if you look up close. Yes. But it's a simple red kit with Shipston's Fine Beers on a lovely local sponsor. <laughs> no fuss. <laughs> Where I love that. it. Simple red shirt, white collar. Like it looks. There's no beer like wear that fine to beer. You I'd wear that you would. with a tie. I'd go to the Savoy <laughs> with a tie. He would as well. I can I can picture him now. This, this is the sad part of it. It's a date night shirt. <laughs> First date, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, you know where you're going with somebody. They turn up with a forest shirt on with a tie in the Savoy. Didn't you? Going, okay, this is a big part of his life that I have to embrace. I, I, I know, I know, I know. We're eating posh, so I'm wearing a tie with yeah. my football shirt. <laughs> Oh, it's now, great show, this next question is really interesting because I got a theory on this. Um, it's, the question is, the best team that's not yours, my feeling is, I know what you're going to say because you did work there for a while, but tell us the other team that you don't mind. Oh, go on. So tell me what you think it's going to be. Good what point. I think is Notts County because you went there to work for a bit of extra money as a steward for a while, which made that's me laugh. Well, well remembered. Yes, yeah, I do. I, when I was a student, it was basically cash in hand. That's right. To watch, I think then it was like third or fourth division football. They were in the football league then. Me and my mate Borley was a county fan, and a couple of lads from uni. 
Um, who's got the best like, ball? He's got the best voice. He's talking about that, didn't he? He's got that sort of high pitch. I've got like a really one. You know, I remember once. <laughs> you know that thing when you introduce one group of friends to another group. of I friends? love him. It's, by like, the way. it's like when you get a new dog. You like you have to introduce it to the other dog, and they have to like you have to ration <laughs> the contact. Those sniffy jabbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, introduce yeah. them on neutral territory or stuff like that. And uh, it was my friend John Richardson. You know well, uh, Johnny. And yeah. um, he'd never met Paulie before. And um, we were, I think, we we're in a car going somewhere, and it was just one of these things where just a total lack of self awareness, and he genuinely. He went, you know what? I don't think I've got much of a Nottingham accent, you know. And Richardson was like, you're the most Nottingham sounding person I've ever I've ever met. I've never heard anyone sound like they're more from Nottingham. Oh, really? I've never thought of that. And he, he whines all the time. He's got a perfect voice. So why? Oh, Did, I'm not doing that. Is he, is he a shouter at football with that voice, Baldy? Which would be really, really no. that's a that's that's a saving grace. He really, did say one of the funniest things. I mean, I was hanging off Fordy and, 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 and crying. Went to the pub and he'd been out on a date. And Fordy, obviously, we love this lad, Fordy. Fordy, he comes in. We hadn't spoken to him, and, and, and Fordy says to him, "How did the date go?" To which he answered, "The best for she smashed my car up." <laughs> I'm saying you're what you want, you really want to know what went on before that, don't you? That's... We both looked at each other and we were like, hanging off. But she did, didn't she? They'd fallen and did she out. get behind the she, wheel? She got drunk, bless her, and she she turned out to be very flirty. And another woman had to say to him, I think that girl you're coming with is snogging somebody on the dance floor. So he said, I decided to get her home because I was very annoyed about it. I dropped it off and he said, as I come out, she started booting and punching his car and pulled the wing mirror off. Wow. She keyed it. She keyed it, that's it. She keyed it. <laughs> Having been taken home in oh, the car, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that sums Paulie up. We were all wow. hanging off each other, but wow. he's, he's great fun, and he and he, and he laughed. And when I'm, not, we've obviously forty classic forty. Went, are you seeing it again? Then no, I'm not going to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so County would be a good shout, <laughs> um, because we were stewards there, and you basically had nothing to do. Me and Paulie, we just sit there and watch the game and get paid. Give us that twenty-five or thirty quid to watch a game of football. And obviously, County were only at home when Forest were away. They, they never clashed the home fixtures. But I, I you know, I, oddly, I always liked Arsene Wenger. Right. And I think the Arsenal Invincibles I really liked. And I liked the way they played football and stuff. And I always had a bit of a soft spot for Man City because of Oasis and because I, I didn't like Man United that much growing up. But yeah, I guess maybe County. My, my original answer was going to be Arsenal, actually. It would have been the sort of Wenger era Arsenal because I just thought that was such a magnificent. It felt, you know, the way I felt about Arsenal in that period was the way I imagined other fans felt about Forest under Clough was just that sort of universal level of respect. To, to, yeah. to be a supporter of, a, of something which looks like the next big thing, which was that Arsenal side, must have been great, must not it? Because it was like a reinvention of the game to a great extent. It was yeah, being like... done in a different way, and it was it was that good, wasn't it? And Henri and Bergkamp, like it was classy, it was silky, yeah, over Mars. Yeah. Like it was great. It was just really good football to watch. And obviously, I think part of it with Arsenal was they'd gone from being boring, boring Arsenal to all of a sudden yeah. this yes. kind of pioneering. It was like a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis. Like, wow, this they've turned into this beautiful, yeah. you know how the way football should be played. You know, it was magic. Uh, they played fantastic football. So my, my dad, I I would my dad said a great thing about that time. And I, I, I thought about it recently. Their great rivals at the time were Manchester United, okay? Like Arsenal Manchester were neck and neck. Do you remember it was the whole sort of and it was personified by Keane and, and Vieira, right? Yes. But yes. my my dad went to a match once and he said to me, I've never known two rivals where one isn't the opposite of the other. They're both trying to out-attack each other. And I thought, what well, a great point that was. Those games where they'd like they'd be 4-3 and 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 2-1. And they were always and also at the time Liverpool were trying to out-attack somebody else. And then you yes. have Spurs. There was no there was no what you'd call now like a kind of a Mourinho Chelsea side. No, they side. were trying to with, prove they were the yes, best at it. Yes. Rather than win the game. That's right. It was yeah. almost like it was uh, the Arsenal Invincibles were brilliant to watch, and then Man United at that time were brilliant to watch, and they'd yeah. play each other, and you'd have these humding in games, wouldn't you? At Highbury, remember that one at Highbury, the big fight in the tunnel, and they'd be the one oh, at Old Trafford. Pizza Gate and oh, that, it yeah. was just, it was just a great time to be watching Hagler English Hearns, football. Yeah, it, it was Hagler yeah. Hearns. They weren't, yeah. Nobody was taking a step back and worrying about defence. No, then, with no. it, you know what I mean? It was like, no, and I loved all that stuff with Keown and Van Nistelrooy after yeah. penalty and all that, and they were playing each other in cup finals and semi-finals. That it was, that was a great rivalry. Oh, yeah. I went to an Arsenal game. Um, a few years ago at the Emirates and met Wenger and it was like meeting an international statesman. He was still manager at the time. I think it was in his last season and it was like meeting the French president. He had mm. such an aura about him, yeah. but like a real dignity, you know, he had a real uh, presence and you sense that this is a really intelligent man and real thinker. And obviously the French thing kind of helps, but 
he was i just i adored him in fact i just bought his autobiography i don't know if any of you have read it yet i've got it i'm going to read it yeah. i was That's i was nice i was always more more at that time of a ferguson man because I, I like yeah. I like the whole sort of Celt and a Scottish roots working class steward. But now, what you do with a bit of time is you step back and you go, they were both magnificent in their own way. In and, football. and if you look at the contrast, yes, not on the field of play, yes. it was in the two managers. Well, they didn't like each other at that time. No, ironically, when when it fizzled out and and United kind of won that rivalry by the end, it was because they'd become friends almost. You know what I mean? Yes. which is which was ironic. Well, but, it was the two t- it was the two big boys in the school playground. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and uh, and they would all they start off as rivals. Yes, and then become and have a punch up and then they're the best mates yeah yeah it was a bit of that going on but yeah right you know what? an elder statesman I, I, of the game absolutely yeah I love seeing Ferguson and Wenger together it's like when you see Tony Blair and John Major together you're like oh they saw two old yeah. rivals that when they go to Northern Ireland together you think oh they were rivals but in the end we were kind of all better off in the end you know and, and that great rivalry produced some fantastic football and in the end with the rivalry you're kind of defined by your relationship with each other yes it, it, exists. It, it, it becomes part of the history. There's in always relation that, to each other. There's always yeah, that bit in the, in, the, in the inauguration or of when somebody walks into Parliament, the new Prime Minister, where they almost have a little conversation amongst themselves. You never hear it, do you? The, the, yes. the two, and you think, I'd love to listen to what that is. And then one of them will smile, and the other one will smile, and you go, That's oh, right, they're, the just hum- they're just human beings at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. obviously, yeah. I have to have a little chat. So, anyway, Matt, I'm going to love this. Obviously, I can imagine you're going to go for a, a Nottingham Forest best 11, not an England best 11. Yes. Uh, of course. Okay. So. Take us through it, from goalkeeper to, well, we say 11. Okay, so uh, in goal, Mark Crossley. Ooh, big norm, love it, yeah. Big norm in goal. I mean, you know what, I could have gone for an all-time. So I'll I'll explain my thinking at the start. Okay. I wanted to pick players that I'd actually watched. Okay. Good shout. So that does, obviously in Forest context, take out the kind of greatest era. Yeah. Because otherwise it would just be... The 1979. You just picked that one side, yeah, yeah, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and all that. So, but a lot of these players did play together. Um, but I've gone for the the best Forest players that I saw basically, and okay. tried to fashion them into a a, a kind of. We had a level. similar thing so. recently with Jack Rowan from Picky Blinders, who did the same with West Ham. Yes. So you know, they, they, listen, he's saying before Bobby Moore's not going to be in that. You're saying John Robertson is not going to be in this. That's fair. Makes enough. sense. Makes sense. Yes. Exactly, and and neither is Trevor Francis or Viv yeah. Anderson, Peter Shilton, or Gary anyone Burtles, like that. Ian, right. Yeah, John McGovern, Kenny Burns, Larry Lloyd, Viv Anderson. It's a good team, actually. That is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I know. Decent. I know. What have I done? I'm stupid. <laughs> um, now, so here we go. So you know what? I've just I've started second guessing myself now. So that's the context. So okay. in goal, Mark Crosley. Yeah, he was the best goalkeeper I ever saw play for Forest. Yeah, uh, obviously saved a, a Gary Lineker penalty in the FA Cup final. Saved a, the only player to save a Matt Latis. Uh, penalty so very special and uh, I mean that FA Cup fifth round penalty shootout at Spurs is amazing where he saves two or three penalties um, and, and also, four, also, also just quickly the best story about what Wales away my mate has ever said about Mark Crossley they played Georgia in the late 90s and, and, and Russia is a bit, he said it's a bit like the Wild West when the USSR broke up and we're in Georgia and the team have stayed above a club, which is a casino underneath. And they'd all warned the players, do not go to the casino. It is run by gangsters, basically. You cannot <laughs> go there. Okay. So they're all in bed. Uh, and, and a gunshot goes off. And they have to pull the team out of their beds. And just to make sure, you know, listen, just, it's a gunshot gone off down the casino. It's the, the, the police or whatever. The, the military have turned up because there's no police, really. It's, it's all very early in the States, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, they're all standing there. And, and, they, and all the Welsh team are standing all in their dressing gowns. And my mate says, I noticed Mark Crossley. He's got a dress gown. He's got his jeans on. And he looks across <laughs> and he kind of looks and he goes, boys, just away. The gunshot, you know, it's been brought under control. Stay in your bedrooms. You've got to stay safe. He said, catch Mark's eyes. And I go, no, no. And he goes, as soon as I heard the gunshot, I left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was careful. As soon as somebody pulled a gun out, I made sure I was back up there. Hey, hey, kids. Yes. Nothing. When, you're, when yeah. you're in a nightclub <laughs> and a casino, you hear a gunshot. A casino nightclub in Georgia in 1990. Don't stay for the second don't shot. Don't stay for the second Always shot. Yeah, that's my favourite cross story. Anyway, wow. carry on. I know. Oh, wow. Wow. What a legend. <laughs> um, a back four. Back so, four. Uh, Des Walker. Oh, Fair enough. Never beat I mean, him, Matt. Great, You'll never beat him. One of the greatest defenders that has ever played in England. Um, obviously, captain Stuart Pearce at left back. Yes. Um, we've discussed him at length already. Yeah. And then in the middle, uh, Steve Chettle and Colin Cooper. Ooh. There, there, there were kind of others that I could... I, I, uh, Des Little almost got in. Forrest produced some great defenders. Obviously, Joe Worrell recently. Michael Dawson was fantastic for a period, for two periods at Forrest. Um, 
But Cooper as well, Colin Cooper, we signed him from Millwall when we got relegated in the summer of 93. And he was absolutely amazing, a phenomenal defender. But his free, had it not been for Stuart Pearce being around, he would have scored so many more free kicks, Cooper. He was a phenomenal dead ball specialist. Yeah. Um, Chettle, a fantastic central defender. Who was do you know, do your Chettle, your Chettle commentary when he scores against Bayern Munich, wasn't it? In the oh uh... man, it's in the it's in the first leg of the UEFA Cup quarter final, and Bayern Munich have just scored. And at that point, you know, I was dreaming. I thought maybe we can beat Bayern Munich, and it's Motson and Forrester playing in that disgusting yellow away kit <laughs> with the graffiti on it that became a kind of cult kit. And it's Motson kind of dozes off for a, for a minute, and Forrester got a free kick miles out. It's David Phillips to uh, take the free kick here for Nottingham Forest. Uh, chance for an early reply. Oh, and uh, oh, and Chettle, Steve Chettle, and Chettle's just at the back post and just heads in, and everyone is taken by surprise. Everybody's <laughs> celebrating. You, you know what I love about it as well, Chettle. There's a beautiful photo. I'm find the footage on YouTube. He wheels. He can't believe that he scored against Bayern Munich. <laughs> Steve Stone is running after him, just giggling. Just the. G- when do you ever see footballers? giggle when they score a goal you know they're so angry sometimes but they're just smiling they're just the happiest men in the world at that point oh. running after each other giggling like toddlers it's, it's the surprise in the voice there chettle <laughs> chettle steve chettle and he scores you know for chettle who's a forest fan he's scoring in the olympic stadium oh, a header about you know, it, yeah. on the spot where trevor francis did it it's a it's a beautiful perfect moment. perfect beautiful so your midfield midfield uh right uh on the left of midfield Ian Wone, who is, I mean, Forrest, to be fair, have had some amazing midfielders over the years. And some of the players I was going to pick would have been in the Paul Hart era when we had a fantastic midfield, players like Ricky Schimmicker and David Prutton, Gareth Williams. But I've gone for Ian Wone because, again, a great goal scorer, great from free kicks. I mean, some of his goals for Forrest are absolutely incredible. He scores two free kicks against Spurs in the FA Cup that were magnificent. He scores an amazing goal against Newcastle. He scores two against Newcastle that are both absolute belters. His goal against Arsenal, I, that was back when the big match with Elton Wellsby, when top flight football was on terrestrial telly. And I remember running home to watch that game. It was like a frosty December Sunday afternoon. The ball breaks for Wone on the left. And it's an absolute belter. I don't think he scored it. The goal he scored against Liverpool, I think in like 1990 or 1991, where he chests it and then volleys it over Grobelar. Every single goal he scored was fantastic. You had a wand, so wand of a left foot, wasn't it, as they say? Wand. Oh, really incredible, actually, that he didn't get at least one England cap. Yeah. Because he was he was very, very talented. Um, in the middle uh, of our midfield, I've gone for Roy Keane, who uh, I, I suppose is a fairly obvious choice, mm. but like rock solid. And it was amazing watching him at Forest. He came as like a skinny little kid. And then all of a sudden he comes back one summer and he's like a hulk. He's like a man and he's been eating pies <laughs> and, he, and he's serious. Like before he was a kind of chirpy little kid and now like he sort of grew up in a summer. He's and interesting he was... bit of Roy Keane as well because I think even he says a lot of people say he was always an 8 out of 10 player every game and 9 right. out of 10 but the 10 out of 10 period of his career was was the, was the last two years especially at Forest where he was a box to box and he'd score oh. you goals and he was an attacking midfielder basically wasn't he? He was magnificent. Um, so I've gone for him in the middle. And then on the right, and I remember telling this person, and I, I would stand by this, I think they're the best player I've ever seen play for Forest is Andy Reid. Oh, Reedy. And yeah. I think he is one of the most talented footballers I have ever seen. And I think he thought I was pulling his leg, and I think people think I'm sort of being deliberately given a kind of weird answer. He, firstly, probably one of the best passers and crossers of a ball I've ever seen. Can just like ping a ball, and it's perfect. And he scored some great goals. But also, I would say, he is one of the most intelligent footballers I've ever watched. He was always a, a, a move or two ahead of his teammates. Yes. He could see stuff. And I and teams would alter their alter their formations when he was on the ball. They were petrified of Reed. He had he a through ball on him. Do you know what he said to me once in a game, sitting watching a game with him? I've watched games with him and John Robertson. It's astonishing the way they Who think. Who are very similar, similar kind yeah, yeah, of yeah. Like build They style. do love a little chunky Celt on, on the outside of Forest. But <laughs> yes, I, I yes, always remember yes. he said to me, somebody gave the ball away and just almost absentmindedly he said to me, ah, there's a bit, I won't, I'll, I'll try and write it, but he went, because he's a dope, isn't he, all right? He said, there's a bit of moisture out there tonight. You've got to be careful. There's a bit of moisture. <laughs> he knew. 
you know. Yeah. You, you just have to bring your, your, your just just a half a yard. You can't be slinging. You know those those people the think nuance. in a different yeah. way to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no two ways about it. You're right. He's got that sort of precision that like snooker players. Yes. Or, yeah. Or, you know, he's he's that sort of level. Yeah. He can weight it perfectly, and he's thinking about yeah. where the ball's going to go next. He, I think he is probably, the, along with a couple of the players that I'm about to mention, probably the most exciting player Forrest have ever had in my life. Yeah, he's a real hero there. So I've gone for three in midfield and three up front. Okay. But I, I guess the ne- the person I'm going to mention next could sort of play behind the, the front two is Nigel Clough. Oh, <clears throat> who is one of the best strikers we've ever had, but what a silky footballer. People talk about him as a playmaker, like... He could play in midfield. He was. He had a fen- again another phenomenal football brain, and um, you know I had some great games for Man City and for Liverpool, but Forest was was magnificent and scored big goals in big games. I was just a brilliant footballer to watch. Stuart Pearce, in a way Stuart Pearce goals... raves about him in his. You know what Stuart Pearce was on the other week? He just says that you could drag, like, you could drag their studs on the back of his ankles as you couldn't notice to the centre half. And he said, but he always wanted the ball and he always looked to try and play you in. Brave as well, yes. you know. Very brave. And just what a footballing brain. Yeah. And what's amazing, you know, I always think, and I think you're the same given like our sort of view of the world, I hate nepotism. Mm. And, you know, in life, it's always frustrating when people get things. But what I am I'm amazed and fascinated by is when some of that DNA is genuinely passed on in the family. And I think in sport, it's, it's a kind of, because football's more of a meritocracy, you can kind of see where it could be in the blood, where, where that talent is passed on and the nature versus nurture debate. And obviously Nigel kind of proves it that there was some of the great man was passed on to him Absolutely. quite a lot. Yeah, and he was a slightly different player to his dad, but that talent, that that clough talent, was absolutely and there. It, and and we know this because he's gone into management and is really good at his job. He's doing great. The pump yeah. I remember the other day, making you laugh. About a year and a half ago, uh, Bale finally had a son, and all the Welsh message reports were like, <laughs> "He's got a son. You never know." <laughs> <laughs> you have know, the two daughters. Oh, he's got a boy. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, you never know, do you? But uh, yeah, well, then, Matt, up front. So uh, up front, um, Stan Collymore, oh. who. I mean, again, he had his, 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 his best time with Forrest, didn't he? Definitely. No he, question. He ran right. He was yeah. unplayable yeah. when he was at Forrest. Yeah. He, 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 you know, he had a decent career at Liverpool. There's no Messi. Yeah. But he was cut above, wasn't he, yeah, in, yeah. in the Forrest shirt? Out of this two seasons, 25 goals a season, yeah. gets us promoted, gets us third in the Premier League. And you know, the fact that he signed for Liverpool says it all. He was one of the best strikers in the country at that point. Yes, and right. again, amazing. Imagine if we'd have t- taken him to Euro 96. Mad that you wouldn't throw him on against Germany in the semi-final. Yeah, that's a good point. What a t- because as well, what he had in his game that the others didn't. Is, Collymore loved skinning players. He would pick the ball up deep and run at players. He seemed to relish it. He did have that sort of Grealishy, Gascoigne thing. Well, it's, where, where, it's, it's the way that Harry Kane has has developed his game is the way that Colin Moore used to play. You'd see yes. him as much perhaps on a touchline during a, during a match yeah. finding space, he, wouldn't you? He's amazing, but a really good footballer and what a shot on him as well. Oh, and everything. You big, athletic, Go on YouTube quick. and watch some of his best goals at Forest and like he's so strong and yeah. so precise. They're magnificent goals. Uh, and that was the last time we were great, really. So there's, there's moments, and... there's moments on the YouTube as well, Matt, where I love. Do you know in the in the school playground where the, the kid was the best? Every so often, give me the ball, give me the ball. Yeah. There's, there's yes. moments like he's playing for Forest where there's a, there's a game against Wimbledon where he, he's obviously gone, give me, give it to me, and he just yes. takes on three players and scores, and you, and you just go, okay, you, you're obviously a cut above everybody <laughs> that's playing at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had that Collie more, didn't he? That goal. That you put in that pre-match montage that they play at the City Ground before kick. I think he picks up in his own half. Yeah, and just basically skins them and then scores from the edge of the box. And I remember Andy Gray on Sky going, "Don't chill, call him out. He can't do that from there. That's not an S vocabulary." <laughs> oh, yes. Collymore goes through the gears. I think Tyler says, "You're like, yeah. wow, it's perfect commentary." Yeah, there is. Um, and my other choice up front, Pierre Van Hoydon. Oh my God. The goals he scored were like 40 yarders. He was fun for a while, wasn't he, Van Hoydon? It was insane (laughs) how good he was. The power. I've never seen anyone be able to have the power and precision from distance like he did. He was on another level, Van Hoydon, what he could do. Yeah. He he scored some incredible, and again, a great promotion season. Him and Kevin Campbell up front for Forest. Oh, goals were fun. They were just banging them in. Yeah. And obviously, there's so many strikers I could have picked. Marlon Harewood, David Johnson. You know, you think of those great partnerships we've had. But Van Hoydonk 
was ballistic. I've never, and, and it's such a shame it didn't work out and that things didn't, because imagine what else, imagine the other memories we could have had with him. Yeah. But that one season in particular, that promotion season where we win the league, my God, he could score from anywhere. And the power that he had was frightening. He was a big, I don't think I've ever, he's such a unique player, Van Hooydonk. He's such a unique way that he would take a free kick. It was marvellous. I don't think he was ever destined to be a one-club man. He was a 27-club <laughs> man, wasn't he? And he's that kind of guy. It's a shame. It's a shame. Is, is, there, another, is, is there another striker? No, we, we're all there. We're all there. We're we're there. Have to now, here's, yeah. here's the big one, John. You're going to ask him this oh, question? So the, 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 yeah, but, but it's interesting with this. It's not as straightforward as you think. If he's already Well, if he's already mentioned just people he's seen he did see the cleft team but he's a massive 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 Frank Clark fan as well so this could Ooh. be interesting so who's your manager oh it has to be Clough it okay. is Clough because, okay. because I do remember you know he was manager when I was there and, and I've never felt about a manager or probably a person like I have about Brian Clough yeah he does have a special hold on us all and yeah. I, I grew up when Brian Clough was managing Forest and when Pierce was captain you know that was that was my reality as a, as a football fan yeah and um you know, the FA Cup final and everything. And Clough just, Clough has, I love Frank Clark. Yeah. But Clough, obviously, and, and every every Forest fan who remembers him, would, 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 and I guess we kind of covered it. He, oper- he, he, he has a special, he occupies a special place in your heart. He does. And uh, do you know what? We'll, we'll end it by saying this. And I want you to tell us about the day, because I know you, you remember it. The day that he, that he left the football club, uh, we've just been talking about, <laughs> about players leaving and, and some can leave in a positive way, very rarely, and most leave in a negative way, because that's football. And it engineers passions in people. That, you know, that's just, that's why it's great sport. But Clough leaving, if I wrote that in a script, People in America would go, that's ridiculous. There's no way somebody that's taken a team down. He's blatantly suffering from alcoholism at that point, bless him. But mm. the, 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 the affection of the crowd, and not just Nottingham Forest fans, but Sheffield United fans, bitter oh. rivals, starting to sing, Brian Clough is a football genius. Oh, even now my hairs are standing up. And the oh, whole man. ground singing it, and he just puts a thumbs up. And you're watching history, you're watching somebody, and you're going, listen, 10, 15 years ago when you were in your pomp, you could have been arguably one of the greatest managers that ever lived and the way that whole ground sang to him it was almost more beautiful in a sense than the way others go out where they're at the top which is very rare but the way that happened that day was remarkable in football wasn't it I've, I, it was the first season I'd had a season ticket so I'm a young lad I'm a, you know of primary school age and uh, you know it was the first season of the Premier League we beat Liverpool 1-0 on the first game of the season we're like well this is going to be you know there's no, we've been at Wembley twice the summer before there's no reason to think that this isn't going to be a wonderful season I had a season ticket with my granddad and uh, obviously that, that season you know it's not a surprise on the last game of the season when you get relegated because the season's unfolded in the way that it has but, but even as a kid I remember the atmosphere was just haunting Yeah, and there were times when that ground was just silent and the rivalry with Sheffield United, obviously, that was still quite raw then. It's less. It was only eight years after the or nine years after the miners' strike. Yes. But these are deep wounds. This isn't just oh, you're the town next door and we don't like you very much. This is like cultural. This is identity of an area that and two cities that and areas that hadn't recovered really from from the loss of uh, coal mining. And yet, the one thing that brings them together in this moment and Sheffield United, by the way, on the brink of relegation as well. Uh, so it's their survival is is at stake, and but united just in this respect of this man. But the Forest fans are just shell shocked because even though you kind of knew it was over, you're never fully sure. And anyway, you still have to witness the final moment, and it was just haunting. Just this huge stadium of people shocked. I remember various chants would go up, you know, we'll support you evermore and stuff like that. And that was kind of like rallying, you know. And as a child, you've never been through anything like this before. This is so emotional. It's distressing, and then. Yeah, the Sheffield United fans when they just start singing Brian Clough, Brian Clough, Brian Clough. You think, oh my God. You know, you're witnessing history there. It was like the fall of a regime or and, and the passing of a family member all rolled into one. It was just this bizarre spectacle with thousands of people there to view the end of something. And in a way that makes the Clough story more special is that because it ends on a kind of, in a, in a form of footballing death, that, that it is that maudlin end, which is the way that life goes. Life, you know, ends with tears and sadness. That is the circle of life. So in a weird way with football, obviously it is unusual when managers go out at the top because life tells you that the endings are sad. Uh, I think that's partly why Clough's story is so special to so many people, is that he scaled the heights and then it, it truly does die in a footballing sense. 
And I think that's what makes it the sort of grand story, the special story that it is, is he didn't just take us to the to the greatest heights in club football. The unthinkable then happens. And that is part of the story. Uh, and I, in a weird way, that almost makes the success even more amazing. Matthew Ford, Nottingham Forest fan. Thank you very much. The Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best 11 podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best 11 very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.